Well, hello and a very warm welcome. This is A Reason for Hope and we are with you live for the next hour to receive your questions on God's Word, the Bible. That's right. If you have a, an honest question on your heart and you're looking for an answer straight from the Scripture, that is what we are here for. And we're very glad that you're joining us. This show is guided by your questions, so we're very grateful that you uh, take the time to be part of the broadcast and send your questions along to us. My name is Dave Robson. I'll be hosting you today. And with me today, um, who, someone that usually sits in Sean's spot, but today we have someone very different. Could you identify yourself, sir, and tell us what you're doing here? Ohayo gozaimasu, ki o tomioka desu. Kimetsu no yaiba no Demon Slayer. Ego ga wakarimasen. Ego, ego ga. You speak English? Sure. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I couldn't agree more. Also with us in the studio today, Korowa Nandeska. That's my only Japanese phrase that I know. Kashibori. <laughs> Is it? Yes. Hi. Hi, Sensei. Um, Bo Willette. And, and, Pastor and I Bo. I don't, <laughs> I, don't, I don't have that well of an intro. Who have you come as like today? That. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I am Bo and I can't, I've come as Bo. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's very original. I know. No, yeah. But it's and, great to be on the show with, you went, with yeah. both of you. Yeah, it's been a while, and we haven't uh, yeah. had you on the show since this new setup and everything. So yeah, it's great. It's great to have you. Yeah, it looks uh, awesome. It's yeah, wonderful it's... the investment that's been made in the studio, and it's really really fun to have now three of us, you know, on mm. the air and it's able to do good. the show. And it's yeah. wonderful people participating, and it's growing, and people are getting more interested in it. And you know, hey, it's Halloween, so we're gonna see what the you know how the comment corners are, you know, tonight. Yeah, you know? I'm sure people have questions on their heart and that on that subject that we're here yeah, and, uh, yeah. yes we've had a lot of comments of just the shows uh, even more engaging and just mm -hmm. loving the new format so, yeah. so it's great it's been great to be a part of that as well mm -hmm. and um, yeah pastor bo is uh, you're the assistant pastor here at calvary christian yes fellowship and also the founder of running light ministries that's correct um which is i can bring up the the website here to show you guys which is um it's a running light Dot org. That's correct. Is that right? Light dot org. Or, or better, well, betterpleasure.net. Yep. You, you, can go, you can get there a couple ways. Yeah. Like most websites, we have a couple different domain names, but right. the main one's runninglight.org. Okay. It'll point to where they want to go. Excellent. I mean, Running Light just exists to offer Bible-based accountability um, for the betterment of people's joy in life to mm. the glory of God, you know, really seeking to help people get out of sexual immorality, right. um, you know, through that means, mm. you know, Bible-based accountability, yeah. you know, it results in a wonderful, joyful life and, you know, to the glory of God. And it's really simple. Uh, you know, we definitely don't try to uh, make it difficult. Um, I think uh, sometimes people overthink these things mm. and the Bible tells us that God has given us ev everything that pertains to godliness. Mm. You know, and it's through the body of Christ. And so we just really hold fast to that truth and uh, try to get more plugged into the body of Christ and seeking that kind of beautiful Bible-based accountability and through the fellowship. And uh, it's been a wonderful ministry. It's been going on now for over 15 years. Oh, has it been 15 yeah. years? Wow. Already. Yeah. Yeah. It's That's been a, wonderful. It's been a long time. Yeah. And Peter Martin as well, who's on the show a lot, he's part of that uh, ministry. That's and you correct. guys do a podcast i know which is on the on the website yes and i see you recording them here at the at not the for the faint of heart no 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 very <laughs> absolutely i mean i'm reading your website advocating for faith hope and love in sex sexuality and sensuality yes that's so it. And, you know. and the whole point of that is the bible stresses those three things uh mm. faith hope and love 
Yeah. And instead of detaching those things from, you know, sexual life, you know, we want to actually include those things as a part of us, uh, our sexual lives as, as human beings, right. you know, that are sexual. Yeah. So if we detach from faith, hope, and love, then, then what do we get? Yeah. You know, and so a lot of our podcasts are kind of always about those subjects. Around that. That's great. Yeah. And you guys have support groups and accountability groups and things like that right throughout the week for men and women. That's right. Yeah. To um, to meet together. So definitely check out the website. And of course, you can reach out to us anyway. We can let you know more about that. Such a needed and just an awesome thing that, I, you know, I've benefited from personally, you yeah. know, in my life as well. So great that you do that i um, haven't met any human being that's really uh you know not i mean i know there's asexual that's real popular nowadays but i've never really met an asexual person no right <laughs> yeah. Yeah. it seems like most human beings if not every human being that i've met is is sexual in some way yeah yeah, yeah. and like you say we were made to be that way too so yeah great well, it was great to have you have you yeah with us. yeah no problem it's yeah. fun to be on the show especially with this guy i know whoever this guy is we'll figure out how to pronounce that's his right. name soon but well um let allow me to let you know how you can be part of our broadcast you can join us in in multiple ways if you're listening to us on the radio you are listening to our last show pre-recorded but send along your questions to questions for hope at gmail.com that's questions for hope spelled out at gmail.com and we'll endeavor to get your question on our next show and when you're not on your drive time consider joining us on one of our live platforms we are at uh, calvarychristianfellowship.com follow the the watch live tab and you can watch us live there. Also on Facebook at Calvary Christian Fellowship of Tucson. We have an app that you can go to your app store and download on your mobile device. Also on Roku and Apple TV. So look for Calvary Christian Fellowship. On YouTube, we're at uh, A Reason for Hope is the name of the channel on YouTube. A Reason for Hope. You can join us there. You can follow Pastor Scott, our senior pastor here at Calvary Christian Fellowship on Twitter at Scott R4H, that's Scott, letter R, number four, letter H. That's really hard for me to say, being partially dyslexic. <laughs> but I've been practicing it um, on Twitter, and he posts uh, highlights from the show and just commentary on world events and witty things and biblical things and just stuff you you want to follow him along every day there. Uh, so I don't think I'm missing uh, anything, um, but uh, we're glad you joined us. And again, send your questions along on those uh, the chat functions on those platforms. And I personally will be monitoring those as they come in, and they will guide our show along today. Uh, Bo, you're here with us. Would you like to pray as we yeah, delve absolutely. into our time? That'd be great. Let's do it. Yeah, Father, we thank you so much for this opportunity today. What a privilege it is to open up your word and to uh, just commune with you together with the brothers. And I uh, thank you uh, for those that will uh, tune in to this show. Uh, pray that you would guide and... Uh, and uh, move the show the way that you see fit. Help us to be yielded to your Holy Spirit, and may you get glory today. Keep people safe tonight, and uh, Lord, may our hearts be set on you. In Jesus' name, mm. amen. Amen. I know this. Yeah. So it is Halloween. Um, and and it's it's proven because we have someone who's dressed who's, up, yeah, in, dressed up in the room. Well, we think so. Oh, this is so not it, le who we it think leads it is. to obviously the big question. There's an elephant in the room. There is an elephant in the room. Right? I should have dressed as an elephant. And then I could have been the elephant. <laughs> you could have been. But there is one, and that is, is it okay to to dress up on this day or what? Right. Is you it know. okay to celebrate Halloween? Yeah, yeah. And, this is, and this is great because we got some generations here. You know, Sean's um, a good, uh, you know, a good distance <laughs> from me. Um, 
uh, and you know, in my era of of uh, being um, a minister for the past thirty years, you know, I've seen many many videos on kind of the dangers of Halloween, and I think people my age and older have probably seen a lot of those. Um, I haven't seen too many of them for the younger generation that have really been geared for the younger generation. But it seems like a, a lot of those videos that were put out by churches were mostly about like the occult and things of that nature. Um, and, and it really kind of took the focus, I think, off of maybe what Sean's going to talk a lot, little bit about with Halloween and what it actually means. Because mm. um, it seemed like every time I watched those videos, it was on something like, really bizarre, you know, like, you know, Mr. Crowley was in a castle somewhere in Europe or, you know, something bizarre where you'd, you'd watch it and you just kind of go like, whoa, dude, that's, that's trippy. You know, that's what happens in the woods on Halloween, you know, yeah. it's, you know, but, um, it really was a little detached from, from obviously the word Halloween, where it comes from in history. So, you know, you know, Sean, you're here with a, uh, outfit. It is Halloween. Yep. And so, you know, hey, let's ask the question. You know, what, you know, is it okay to celebrate Halloween? How do a, how does a Christian celebrate Halloween? And what really is the term all about? Yeah, it's obviously an area of controversy for some people and therein lies the issue. If you're talking to someone who considers it an issue, then you can do one of two things. You can exhort them to grow in their relationship with God so that a day doesn't stumble them or seems greater in power than our Lord and our ability to worship him any day of the year, let alone this one in particular. Second, it would be an opportunity for patience and grace on our part. Obviously, in dressing up in this way, we aren't all dressing up so that we can appeal to the most number of people. We want to keep that in mind. Paul himself said to the Jew, I became as a Jew to a Gentile, a Gentile. I become all things to all men that I might win some. We're not going to please all the people all the time, but we can please the Lord, and that's done not just on what we do or how we dress, but why, what's in our hearts. That's where he's looking, and we can verify that scripturally. Jeremiah 17, 10, and 11 would be a good place to start. But when we're talking about this issue and concern, obviously room for exhortation, room for grace, but also a desire for truth, and that should be every Christian's goal. When people are dressing up on Halloween, I will be the first to grant that there are some people who use it as an opportunity to do some very fleshly things. I'm not one of them, and therefore I think it is fair that I would be judged accordingly and just enjoying what uh, my generation calls cosplay, and we can leave it at that. There's nothing demonic, there's nothing satanic, I'm not warding off evil spirits. I mean, for goodness sake, my... Uh, katana here says destroyer of demons and kanji so you can take that for what it's worth <laughs> but when we're talking about the issue of okay if what you're doing and why you're doing it audiences aside are the actual concern here what's the truth of the matter where did these traditions come from because if they are pagan in origin and we'll even grant that as an if because i wouldn't but if we grant that as an if what are we doing it for here and now? I just use it as the one day a year I can indulge and get gummy worms from fries. That's, that's about it. <laughs> but if, on the other hand, you're talking to someone who's going, no, you don't understand. I came from an occultic background, and we just got really messed up on this night in particular. Well, I'd be sensitive to their conscience, but let's bring it back to the truth. Where do these traditions actually come from? The first thing that people go to, and even pagans I still talk to today, 
would say that it originates from the pagan festival known as Samhain. It's spelled Samhain, but note pronunciation in Irish makes an exception for everything. Just see the spelling of my name. So when we're talking about Samhain and the themes centered around it, it's presented in those old videos to be a celebration of the dead where they would light lanterns and various vegetables and so forth. They would dress up in costumes to imitate the druids. That's the ancient oak seers of Norse mythology. And then uh, use it to ward off spirits because they would wander the world uh, between worlds, basically. And this would keep them from causing mischief. Unlike like most ancient um, kind of celebra- uh, celebratory days, they kind of seem to always go in um, kind of connection with what the crops, whether it's crop season or whether it's not going to be crop season. But the other thing you have to ask is, where's your proof for any of this? I mm-hmm. gave a long lecture based on the claims made in some videos, but you'll notice the citation is either zero or themselves. Oh, wow. And this is where the facts of the matter have to ultimately lay on the table. Because mm-hmm. when it comes to what we actually know about Samhain, It is less than nothing. When it comes to the day it was celebrated, we have Christians who used to be Norse pagans that referenced some aspect of their cultural history Hmm. that acknowledged an onset of winter where supernatural events could happen, but that wasn't different than any other day in their minds. Hmm. Likewise, when we're talking about the crop cycle, the astrological cycle, any of these things that in vague generalities they'll then play basically both sides of the field and narrow it down to say this is the only thing it could mean and how it's being expressed today. Not necessarily true. So in order to, I guess, use fair rhetoric, let's just go off of what we actually know we're doing today. We're dressing up in costumes. We're gathering candy in a customs known as trick-or-treat celebrations, usually reserved for kids, but uh, if I squat a little, sometimes I can get away with it. And of course, um, the theme centered around, you know, witches and werewolves and you know doom and gloom and all that kind of fun stuff so where did that come from well three things and actually fairly represented among all of the cultures that we have present here today Bo, you come from a french background dave you come from british Mm -hmm. and ironically enough it actually has more to do with both of you than it does with ancient druidism and the norse pagans my ancestors and here's why The trick-or-treat custom and celebration was actually an attempt to dissuade children from pulling pranks on what was called Guy Fawkes Day. And Guy Fawkes Day, for those of you who don't remember, probably haven't seen the movie V for Vendetta, but the mass character was based on that idea. Hugo Weaving was in it and so forth. And he was a well-known Catholic activist who almost overthrew the British Parliament, which was majority ruled by the Church of England at the time. So the Catholic kids would say, remember, remember, the 5th of November. Note that, early November was the time of celebration. And they would do acts of vandalism and so forth throughout England, and of course do so in solidarity of a Catholic, not a pagan, a Catholic political activist. Then you also make the point and note for French culture and how they would celebrate what was called All Souls Day. Now, All Souls Day was unfortunately a third-generation accommodation for something that dates as far back as, I think, the 500s AD. It was a day that was set aside, and by the way, not October 31st. We're not even close to that yet. But in Syria, not Europe, (laughs) not England, not France, Syria, 
they set aside the week after Passover, which was usually around uh, May, March 14th, March yeah. 13th. And they would um, remember those who were martyred as a result of the persecutions of the Roman emperors. Now, when the Roman Catholic Church had more of an authority over the or the uh, calendar in particular, Pope Gregory the Thirteenth and so forth, they started to make accommodations for additional holidays, and they renamed that Remembrance of the Saints as All Saints Day. That was on, of course, November first. They made the then procession and saying, "Well, what about the souls in purgatory?" Well, I guess we can say November second if you want. And then, of course, if you got those in heaven, those who are not yet in heaven, what about those who are in hell? Well, that was set aside as well on October, on October 31st. And they made these celebrations in remembering the spirits of the dead, just carte blanche, in particular in French culture, by dressing in their Sunday's best. Now, well, again, no marks against your ancestors, but uh, compared to the rest of Europe, their Sunday's best looked very weird compared to what normal people would dress up as. It was very frilly. It was very ostentatious, I think is the fancy word for it. But when the British and the French were moving to the Americas, note the Americas, very recent history, they brought their cultures and customs with them. And so everyone was wondering, why is it that in the transition from October to November, people are dressing up, people are going around vandalizing things? What's going on here? And the first time that the word trick-or-treat was ever used in any documented literature was within the last hundred years. It was in 1912 where they were having a trick-or-treat celebration, bribing kids with candy so that they wouldn't vandalize their houses. And in order to accommodate this, people would also host costume parties and stuff to note the French culture. They would just do this to keep the kids busy because this week, not just this day, but this week was a very hectic time for a lot of people and they wanted minimal drama. The United States, being the capitalist empire that it was, realized there was a need for costumes and candy and started to accommodate them. People who didn't come from a French background were like, I guess we're dressing up now. What about my culture? Which again, from Norse paganism, they would have had a familiarity with things like warlocks and witches and so forth. These elements started to become adopted. But the Halloween customs we're noting today, very recent history, and all centered around Catholic and British historical tradition, not paganism and not even the Bible. So what you're doing and why are both what need to be taken into consideration. If what you're doing is taking the word of people who are either dishonest or at least overreactionary to anything that has a semblance of evil, I'd say have greater confidence in your God and realize that every day belongs to the Lord, regardless of what Anton LaVey said. Yeah, that's what I was reading in uh, Romans chapter 14. One man considers one day more sacred than another. Another man considers every day alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. And that's the key, is have enough grace towards those who are vulnerable in the faith, have enough exhortation, I guess, a desire for them to grow in their knowledge, to let them know that there is, in fact, another reason you could be doing this than glorifying the devil. And, of course, when it comes down to the truth, Christians should love it enough to do their homework, not just take the words of even what you hear here. Look this up, Guy Fox Day the uh, All Souls procession, specifically in how it was expressed in French and how it came here to the Americas. Very recent history, not paganism. Everything that they would make about paganism, they either can't substantiate, which isn't false, but it isn't true either, or it is made up, which is false. We don't want to do either. Now, Adrian Van Vactor, who's also a, uh, an apologist that is on this show, mm -hmm. um, 
pretty often. Mm-hmm. He, he wrote that book, um, Unmasking the Masquerade. Masquerade. Yeah. And I wonder if they have, I, I, I don't know if they have a chapter there on anything like this at all. No, just superstition in Superstition general. in general, yeah. But it's it probably goes along with the Halloween tradition oh, in that yeah. sense, you know, where a lot of people get freaked out about, you know, the devil or demons. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you can get very hyper. You know, it depends on kind of what church you're a part of. Um, there's certain church cultures that become very hyper with demonic issues, mm-hmm. you know, and so everything's about demons and spirit of demons and things of that nature. And um, and that book would be a good book, I think, for anybody mm-hmm. in those cultures, especially those church cultures, to read, yeah. you know. So Adrian Van Vactor, Unmasking yeah. the Masquerade. Yeah, it's Check funny. it out. Right. Is it Faith Search? Is this website? International, Faith Search International. Faith Search International, yeah. We, we yeah. brought it up the other day on the show, but yeah, they have some resources. There. Yeah, that yeah. would be a good book if, you know, people are a little spooked out. By stuff. Yeah. And people, a common thing is, and I've heard people are um, concerned about opening themselves up to evil yeah. spirits and things like that. Does <clears throat> yeah. the Bible talk about that? And, 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 you know, if we decorate or we open ourselves up to these sort of celebration of evil things, you know, is that is that a risk for us as Christians or our families that we're going to get demonized or or possessed <laughs> yeah. or those kind of things? Yeah, and that's what I'm, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Is that there there's that there's a, a church culture that certainly emphasizes this kind of language. Yeah, you know, opening yourself up right to um, demons. So mm-hmm. you might hear someone say like, "Oh, well, you know, if you drink or if you." you know, do a drug, you mm. might be, you might hear that term opening up yourself. Right. So if you're out there and you're going, Hey, I've never really heard that term. Um, that is something that does happen within the evangelical culture. That is part of the l- lingo, right. if you will. Yeah. Not scripture, culture. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So what would you say about, you know, that idea scripturally? You know. Well, when it comes to the negative, that's the first thing that needs to be corrected is if you're not drawing near to God, you're drawing near to the devil. That's an inference, not a statement. There is a statement made in James chapter 4 and verse 7 where it says, Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts. You double-minded, lament, mourn, and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. So the point of emphasis I'd make in that is, should we take away from this an insight into and the focus being on the devil? No, just the opposite. Our goal should always proactively be that whatever we do, another quotation, in word or in deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Whether you eat or drink. Yeah, Mm -hmm. who gave himself for you, who loved you, who died for you. That's the point. So when we see people who are... I guess giving the enemy more credit than what he's due. We can, of course, go to First John chapter four and verse four. Greater is he who is in you than he was in the world. People who give more power to a celebration where a bunch of people do weird things, as if that doesn't happen every day, that shows a lot of fragility, a lot of immaturity in the faith. And note, not a point of condemnation. You are where you are, but don't stay there and don't think it's virtuous to be immature. But we also need to make sure that while we're practicing grace, there's also room for exhortation, as was stated before. If people are making all of their focus on spiritual warfare on the demonic, they've forgotten the foundation of what victory is. Our victory is our fellowship, our ongoing fellowship with Jesus Christ. And if the world around us is doing anything, obviously there are lines that are to be drawn. 
But if this is something that you can do to the glory of God, if the only substance of me dressing up like an anime character with remarkably biblical themes, by the way, then I can redeem the time, give more value to something. Because in, I believe it's uh, 1 Timothy chapter 5, uh, it might be 3 actually, it notes that everything that is given to us by God is good and is to be received, 5, thank you, with thanksgiving because it is sanctified, literally cleansed and set aside for a new purpose by the word of God and prayer. Take the time today not to curse the devil, but celebrate Jesus. Take the time today not to flee from darkness, but pursue the light. And, and you would make the same attestation in pursuit of purity. It's not run away from sexual immorality. It's pursue Jesus. Fill your heart with him so there's no room for anything else. Yeah, and when I think of the term um, open yourself up, that's a term that I don't see, I can't recall uh, just off the cuff in my mind, a, a specific scripture that says, you know, you you know, you're op- that'll open yourself up to that, you mm-hmm. know, and that's what I mean. Sometimes we have to, like, be careful of Christian culture lingo yeah. and just kind of go, okay, like, you know, I, I think what Sean's getting at is when Jesus, in the book of John chapter 15, when Jesus gives this wonderful uh, teaching to his disciples about abiding in me, mm. you know, abide in the vine, mm. you know, that is always what we want to pursue. And we see that that's a real scriptural idea is abide in the vine. Mm. Um, so, um, you know, cause you can get into this hyper, I'm opening myself up right. like, oh my gosh, I had a negative thought. I opened myself up to a demon or, Hey, you know yeah. what? I drank grape juice and that's, uh, you know, and I opened myself up and it can become very hyper, mm. um, um, spiritual. And then, as as Sean says, our focus gets more on the devil than on uh, the Lord. Right. You know, yeah. and uh, that creates a lot of fear issues in people. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, Second Timothy chapter one verse seven says, "God has not given us a spirit of fear, right? right. But of power and love and a sound mind." Right. So we don't need to fear. Mm-hmm. You know. And that's something that should be a good barometer for anybody out there who's like, I'm scared. Right. Well, then then, then you have to go, well, maybe I'm focused on the wrong thing. Right. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I think about that the section where Apostle Paul is talking about meat sacrifice to idols. I know it's about idols, but and I what I get from it is there was that concern like we're eating meat that's been formally sacrificed to idols and is that going to pollute us and paul said like an idol is nothing yeah you know like it doesn't yeah exactly there's no power in it but like you were saying sean out of your conscience you may not want to do that um so there is that like you say that sense that we are and i love that idea an idol is nothing yeah that's what the word means (laughs) nothing yeah yeah an idol is nothing yeah so what I hear you saying, it's okay to maybe go out front with some candy and bless your neighbors and get to know your neighbors and bless some kids, um, that we have a safety in doing that, but to do all to the glory of the Lord. Or just enjoy the candy for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell me that. That's a bad thing to tell me. Yeah. That's great. Well, thank you for, for sharing on this very significant day. Um, Albert, uh, I hope that answers your questions. He had some questions about where the, the um, some of the... Uh, these things originated from the Jack O'Lantern and that kind of stuff. I hope that answers your question and Sean was explaining some of those things. If not, um, send us a clarifying question along and we'll be glad to. Yeah, to cats talk. being associated with the superstitious, that's more of a Norse pagan thing. Again, 
co-opted into these things later and very recently, mind you, not the inspiration of them. The idea of jack-o'-lanterns, again, it was a British thing, but more for the Will sake of... blaming them, me for everything? <laughs> more for the sake of street lamps than anything else as the days oh, really? are growing darker. Warding off spirits may have been a superstition some agreed to, but it's not unanimous in literature, so we can't come to conclusions. Mm. People were walking around at night because they had an opportunity to eat later. So that's pretty much all that we can infer. Yeah. yeah. So there's a lot of myth wrapped up around it, right? Right. So, you know, st- myth is, you know, something that's not really rooted in, in, in a sense, you know, factual information. It's it, it could be, but it doesn't necessarily mean it is. Yeah, I mean, we're all Protestants here. I'm the last one to make excuse of the Roman Catholics, but this mantra that I see on the Internet that the Catholics co-opted anything and everything pagan and Christianized it, I'll acknowledge the Jesuits did that in some cases in the context of evangelism, but when it comes to the timing or dating of certain festivals, that's a false statement. I'll just put it at that. Very good. Thank you. Thank you for sharing those things. Very, very good indeed. Um, I have a question on a, on a card. Sometimes we have uh, questions come in the old-fashioned way, probably from someone here at Calvary <laughs> Christian Fellowship. Yeah. Um, it's been sitting here for a while, so it doesn't have a name on it, but... The question is, is it a sin to smoke? And we can probably open that up to smoke, maybe even drink alcohol like substances. These days, smoking marijuana is now legal. Is it a sin to kind of indulge in some of these How about overeating? How about anything you take into your body that could be a detriment to your health? The Mm. answer is, why? (laughs) Are you brought under its power or are you doing it? Again, you go to the South, it's rude if after service you don't light up your cigars with the boys. But the question is not just what you're doing, but why. If I'm doing this because I know in my conscience it's an area of the flesh for me, be sensitive to that, like you mentioned in Romans 14. But if, on the other hand, what you're doing in of itself, uh, inhaling smoke produced from a tobacco leaf, cigarettes are obviously a different issue entirely. But when we're talking about this issue, people say, will you go to hell if you smoke the cigarettes? I default to our friend Levi Lusco, where he says, no, you'll probably get to heaven much faster. The problem isn't your physical consumption. It's what comes out of the man that defiles him, not what goes into him. Yeah. I mean, I would, I would uh, agree with that. Um, you know, the last thing you said is from Jesus in the book of Mark. Um, well, there's a couple places yeah, it's mentioned, but, um, I think it's Mark chapter seven. It might be where Jesus, uh, is, uh, confronted by the religious rulers that are so focused on the outward and they're so focused on the nitpicky parts of what people are doing on the Sabbath or, you know, are they taking grains of wheat and eating them on the Sabbath or, you know, are they washing their hands? They're so concerned about the outward. And this is, I think, something that we have to in, in our current culture of uh, evangelical Christianity uh, kind of ask, are we focused so much on the outward that we forget, you know, what you're talking, what you mentioned about what Jesus is saying is the inward parts that really defile a person. You know, Jesus said, it's not what goes in a person that defiles him, right? It's what comes out. And then he says, what's in a person? And he gives a wonderful list of things that defile us. And I would ask anybody to read Jesus's list of what defiles us inside of us and and ask the question do you see that in you do you see what jesus is saying in yourself you know 
And what I find is you can, you can, okay, you can nitpicky on the outward stuff and you can get rid of the outward stuff, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you've dealt with the inward stuff. That's how 1 Timothy 5 started. What are the doctrines of demons he mentioned? Abstaining from foods? Forbidding to marry? Aren't those the marks of a priest? I know. Those are outward things. It's interesting. Doctrines of demons being something that is an abstinence message. You know, don't, virtuous. don't do this. Don't do that. Mm-hmm. So we have to be careful, you know. Um, is it a sin to smoke? It certainly could be. Mm-hmm. You know, is there a Bible passage that says, you shall not smoke? No, there's not. You know, so we we can't go beyond what is written, mm. and that's a passage in the book of Corinthians, Second Corinthians, uh, where Paul says, I and Apollos have learned not to go beyond what is written. Mm. And I think that's what we need to do. Mm. You know, hey, you know, we don't want to be brought under subjection to anything, meaning we don't want to be under bondage right. to anything. And that's what you're mm-hmm. mentioning. That's a Bible passage, mm-hmm. you know. We And Paul, again, dealing with the Corinthian church. Hey, we don't want to be in bondage to anything. And that's always what we're looking at in the Christian life. Right. But we always have to look within and say, hey, you know, in a day, we got to go, hey, where is my real issues lie? Mm-hmm. You know, does it lie in wanting the cigarette or does it lie even beyond that Mm. something within me you know the insecurities the discontentments whatever it is that's going on in my life and i guarantee those are going to be a little more difficult to to deal with in your life than just stop smoking than stopping smoking yeah right because if someone puts a gun to your head you ain't doing anything you know Mm. if someone says hey don't watch porn and you go okay and and he's got a gun to your head you ain't watching pornography you know you ain't gonna smoke a cigarette Right? right? You're going to be done. Mm-hmm. You're, you're done. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's it. But the issues of the heart are ones that you just can't get rid of yeah. like that easy. God's got to do a work, yeah. you know, and it takes, um, you know, a lot of uh, seeking the Lord yeah. and uh, working with brothers and sisters in Christ, right. you know, um, to help us, yeah. you know. Yeah, so... Yeah. I hope that helps whoever's there. Yeah. No major passage that says don't smoke. Right. You know, but there is passages that warn us against, you know, being, um, you know, under the bondage of anything. Yeah. Like Sean said, it could be food. It could be another thing. I know. Yeah. In my life, I can just jump, jump from one comfort to another and never deal with the deeper things like you said. So. Yeah. And isn't it weird how in our lives, like, you know, food is such a subtle issue. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, it's like all of a sudden you're like. You know, you go six months and you go, whoa, I just put on, you know, 15 pounds yeah. and it's 20 pounds or something like that. And, and, and it's, and you really don't think much about it, you know, but um, you might be uh, eating because you're just a little bored or you're, mm-hmm. you know, nervous. You got a nervous tick and you just go to that chocolate bar or whatever mm-hmm. it is, or mm-hmm. that burrito shop or, you know, or that Frappuccino. But yeah. anyway, yeah. yeah. It's very true. It's very true. Um Yari uh, had a, I guess it's jumping back to what we were talking about before, a bit of a question or something to see if you agree with. Um, he said about if we give the enemy more credit than he's due, then we can open ourselves up. But he finds it more true that Satan tempts us rather than with all these kind of demonic things. He tends to tempt us more with false doctrine rather yeah. than like horror films and that kind of thing. Would you Would you agree with that, the way yeah. that the enemy works? Best definition of something being demonic 
is not in these demonstrations of power, it's mm. in false doctrine. Read Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 9 onward, when it describes the coming of the lawless one, that's in reference to the end times Antichrist, it says, the working of Satan is according to all power, signs, and lying wonders, mm. and notes the only allowance that God permits them to have in this regard is towards those who had no love of the truth to begin with, Therefore, and Romans agrees with this as well, Romans chapter 1, he'll give them up to a lie. So the point being made is this. When we see a horror movie that portrays something demonic as an enemy, as something you don't want to mess with, as something that is to be hated, that is to be avoided, that is to be answered with you know, the cross and so forth, that's actually more Christian than the quote-unquote bible message of God loves you because you didn't look at porn this week, or God loves you because you don't do what the world is doing. That's actual biblical demonic doctrine, that you're right with God based on what you do and don't do rather than what he's done. Truth is where the foundation lies in spiritual warfare, whether we recognize what we have in Jesus and what we don't, as opposed to what the enemy subtly tries to counterfeit us through. And it, again, is very subtle. So make sure that when people are bringing up these things like, oh, horror movies, I, I, I want nothing to do with the devil. Well, remember, the devil is, John chapter 10, a liar and the father of it. And if you model the heart of a lie, that can be just as prevalent in your church service that says God wants you to be healthy, wealthy, and wise as it would be if he was wearing you know, horns and scaly and the bifurcated tail and carrying a hay fork. In fact, if anything else, 2 Corinthians 11 notes this, or is it 12? Satan's key aspect of himself is to make himself well, look, 12, to make him look yeah. like an angel of light. Mm-hmm. The worst bad guys look like good guys. So that should make you cautious, not just to look at what you're watching, but ask what's being communicated here. This is what we try to do with the student ministry all the time. So... Yes, Yari, when it comes to something demonic, it's not in the overtly evil symbols. If a message defines evil as evil and good as good, that's biblical. But if, on the other hand, it puts you in a place where you're like, is it really so wrong to you know philander around with these loose relationships and one-night stands? I mean, look at... Uh, you know, who are the characters? Have you seen the sitcom Friends? Who are the characters mm-hmm. in that? Joey and uh, yeah. whoever making out that kind of lifestyle as to be of no consequence mm. is a lie. Mm. And it's more demonic than you would see in like mm. the exorcist or whatever. Right. So Subtle. make sure that that's the key. Yeah, correction, that passage was Second Corinthians eleven fourteen. Eleven. I knew it. Okay. Yeah. So, yes, Yari, but uh, just be discerning with that. Anything more to add? I would say that the passage you brought up on uh, uh, 15 minutes ago, First uh, Timothy 4, 1, Mm-hmm. Um, is just a really good text uh, about this. The Spirit clearly says that in latter times, some will abandon the faith, so some are going to abandon the faith, mm-hmm. and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Such teachings come through hypocritical liars whose conscious, consciences have been seared with a hot iron. So it comes through teachers. Mm-hmm. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. And it says they have forbid people to marry. That's the weird thing, right? Mm-hmm. It usually, you know, we think of like, um, you know, the Christian Christian church forbidding people to marry maybe for reasons of maybe they're monks or whatever, and we think that might be a good thing. Mm. 
But here it says uh, these are doctrines of demons, right? Teachings through people, through human beings. They forbid people to marry and order them to abstain from certain foods which God created. So a certain kind of uh, food asceticism. Mm-hmm. So kind of saying, um, you know, you're more holy if you partake of these other foods. Mm-hmm. But just notice this is going out through human beings, this kind of teaching. And I think it's awesome that Yari picks up on that and goes, wow, there's two, there's two equal um, errors we can make. We can either um, we can either go, oh, it's all just teaching lies, and that's the doc, that's demonic, you know, activity, and it's not licentiousness, um, which is wrong. Or we can say, oh, it's all licentiousness, and we emphasize, oh, going out and whoring or something like that, mm-hmm. and you don't recognize the false teaching that's going on around you, mm-hmm. you know. And so we have to be we have to just balance both of those things. You know, the enemy gets us from both sides. Yeah. You know, right? Right. There's a you know, it's interesting, but when Paul writes Timothy, he's writing to a pastor and he's writing to a context within a church. Mm. So he's not writing like when he says fight the good fight, mm. he's not saying fight the good fight outside of the church. Mm. He's saying fight the good fight within In the, the body of Christ, right. you know? Yeah. So that's something that we have to understand mm-hmm. is that within the body of Christ, there is, in a sense, doctrines of demons, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then we look at, but we also have to understand that there's things outside as mm-hmm. well that want to, in a sense, pull us apart mm-hmm. and make us go, oh, well, is, is it really that bad? Like Sean was saying, is mm-hmm. it really, you know? And those are, and for us that are tempted by things that are out, outside of the purity of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Mm. And I would think everybody's tempted by things that are outside of the gospel of Jesus Christ. <laughs> but, um, you know, that we know that there's that little, that little, you know, justification and rationalization mm. that goes on in your mind that goes, maybe this is okay, mm. you know? Yeah. Or it's really not that bad. Yeah. And again, that's a lie, but it's from like that without, you know, yeah. it's kind of, from the world. Yeah. You know? And the character of the enemy too. The, I mean, one of the earliest accounts, the enemy was, you know, has God really said, <laughs> did he really right. say, you know, that question and that doubt and that dilution, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. We hope that helps you out. Thank yeah. you for being part of our broadcast. You're, I know you're a regular. We appreciate you. Yeah. Good job. I mean, that's a good, good mind. Yeah. He's yeah. thinking through it. Right. Yeah. To, to look for the subtle things as well. Uh, Nina had a question about the prodigal son account. Um, her question was kind of specific. It was, um, she says the older brother said that the younger brother squandered his money on prostitutes, etc. The question was, how did the older brother know about his younger brother? Was he just jumping to conclusions or did he go to visit him or was he speaking out of experience? That's Nina's, Nina's now, rem- question. Remember, Nina, this is a parable. So for all intents and purposes, these fictional characters are all fully aware of each other's lives in ways that a real life story wouldn't necessarily be. Mm. So if we make inferences to the story, we're missing the point, the punchline. Who is the audience? It was those who trusted in themselves to be righteous and despised others. It was those who were resentful of the fact God was saving the quote-unquote prodigal first sons and they themselves were made the prodigal second sons. The purpose of the prodigal son parable wasn't the prodigal son, it was the second son. He was giving a jab at the Pharisees. The flow, the point, the whole message 
was just that. So if we, I guess, read too much into an illustrative narrative, we find ourselves playing the, you know, Marvel Studios critic and saying, but how could they, they fly on those repulsors when we haven't figured out bionic technology? All entertainment is the willful suspension of disbelief. The emphasis of the story is what's relevant to what Jesus was talking about. And it wasn't, well, how did the older brother know what his younger brother was doing? It was, why didn't the older brother celebrate with his father the fact the younger brother was redeemed? And that was the Pharisee's problem. That's why he told the story. Yeah, and it's it's good. I would just add that um, that when you're reading the Bible, you're always reading, or what you always have to kind of discern, and this this is something that's not, I would say, uh, simple, and it's not something that just happens naturally. Um, uh, but when you're reading, and, and what I'm what I'm saying is like, there's different parts, there's different things that are said, and you have to look at them in different ways. Mm-hmm. So you have to look at like poetry different from maybe the historical aspects of the Bible, or you have to look at um, like wartime narrative different from the the Torah. The, the moral aspects, the, moral the legal aspects. aspects yeah. yeah. You have to look at, like when Jesus taught in parables, he actually, people asked him why, you know, because <laughs> they, they were kind of like, why are you doing <laughs> Not this? another story. <laughs> that's right. Because <laughs> Isaiah said I would next him. That's right. It, Sicily, 1969, yeah. But that's what Jesus said is just like, as Sean pointed out, you know, he says, you know, hey, you know, this is what Isaiah, Jesus said, this is what Isaiah said, mm. you know, and, you know, that would happen that Messiah would do, you know, he would speak in parables, but he, he did it to obviously draw those that were seeking him with all of their heart. The parable would draw them in mm. and to those who have hardened their heart with, from Messiah, it would, in a sense, be the line in the sand and they would walk away. Right. And so, um, you know, light can move you in, and it also can move you out. Right. You know, and um, and so the parables kind of worked as that. Mm. And so again, I think it's so important that when you read a parable, we're reading it from that understanding of the kind of language that's being used. Mm. So when Jesus, for instance, I think the greatest example, uh, most m- massive example, is when Jesus says, "I'm the door." Um, the light, uh, you know, um, the gate, uh, well, door, the vine, um, yeah. the vine, um, you the know, the, of God the seven I am statements of Jesus, mm. you know, you know, that is hyperbole. That is, you can't take that literally, mm-hmm. you know, or else we have some serious issues, you know, with stuff. <laughs> right. right. Interpretation's nonsense. You're the problem. Right. So we have to look at what, how Jesus is speaking and go, oh, I see there is some hyperbole here, yep. you know, that's being used. Right. So um, very much like in lyrics, you know, when you write a song, sometimes you use a, a way of writing that song, you know, that it's illustrative, yeah. it's bringing out certain poetry uh, disciplines to help bring about a truth. And, um, you know, but if you're trying to pick apart poetry, like every little thing, it kind of, you lose like sight of the point. Yeah, what was the point? I think last time we had a discussion like this, Sean, and you were saying, what is is the point of the account? You know, what is, yeah, Yeah. (laughs) exactly, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, very good. Well, Nina, I hope that helps helps you out. Thank you for that question. Nina asked as well, are the people who abandon the faith for false doctrine genuine believers and can a, can a believer walk 
away. Mm. So there's people that have sincerely and genuinely been drawn away by false doctrine, maybe even to another belief, and they're doing so with a sincere heart, um, walked away from you know a, a Christian church, so to speak. Are these people, are they true believers? Are they not? Um, what do we make of that? I believe in the eternal security of those who abide in a living relationship with Jesus. I also believe in the internal, the eternal insecurity of those who don't. Thank you, Pastor Chuck, Chuck Smith. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I recognize, recognize the voice. Yeah, that, that's all that really need be said when we get into the controversy of. Well, what about Charles Templeton? And what about all these other people right. who are ex-evangelicals? Did they ever believe to begin with? They're not believing now, which means they need the gospel. People who don't believe at the moment need the gospel. If the focus is on Jesus as opposed to the cosmic philosophical implications of you're wasting time, that person doesn't have much left. Yeah. Um, and I think that's like a good summation of the argument that you know, for those that are listening— what Sean just said is the summation of it. Yeah. You know, there's the there's all the nuts and bolts of the passages that need to be picked apart and looked at, um, and and it's good to do that. Uh, like um, you might be thinking of First John chapter two, um, where it says, "Dear children, this is the last hour, and you have heard that the antichrist is coming. Even now, many antichrists." What does the word antichrist mean? Against or other than Christ. Right. Mm. Have come. Okay. This is how we know it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. Interesting. Right? They went out from us, but they really didn't belong to us. And it says, for if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. Okay. So, you know, for those that, uh, you know, are saved, they also persevere they also mm. remain you know you can get that, that kind of understanding from this passage you know if you're a believer you're remaining in the faith right you know you're persevering in the faith right. you know you're moving forward but their going showed that they that that none of them so it sounds like a it was a multiple group of people mm. but a multiple group of them be, did not belong to john mm. in the church so, you know, from that passage, you read it and you kind of go, hey, well, those that were, you know, that left the church were not part of it. They did not remain in Christ. Mm. They weren't part of it to begin with. You know, that's, that's, that's what John would say, right. you know. And, um, and I think that's one passage to look at and really kind of contemplate and go, oh, okay, some people leave the church and they never were part of the, the body at all. Mm. And, and uh, you know, because we really don't know where people's hearts are at. Right. Now the passage I, we read in First uh, Timothy chapter four, our Second Timothy chapter four, that talked about people in the latter times some will depart from the faith, mm. right? Right. And you and you kind of go, whoa! Well, they departed from the faith. Maybe they were part of the faith at some point. They know? were in the church. Yeah, you know, and so yeah, yeah, they, they were part of the church. They seemed to be part of the crew, so to speak. Mm. Like Judas Iscariot, he was with Jesus the same amount of time as the Apostle Peter. He was sent out among those who were performing miracles in his name. Yeah. But as we see in Matthew 7, I never knew you. Yeah. So, you know, um, you know, so that's, so the, this is the minutiae 
you know, some of these passages that you kind of go, hmm, you know, and people bring up other ones too, and mm. there's quite a bunch of them to, to look at each individually. Um, but the, the summation is where you need to always go back to, you know, right. what Sean said, and that is, you know, uh, the security, our, our security is wrapped up in our, you know, abiding in Christ. Right. Um, you know, if we're not going to abide in Jesus, then, you know, there's not much, uh, you know, security, security there. Yeah. I'm, I'll say this, the Bible itself is a testimony of the amazing grace of God. The, the amount of people that are saved in the Bible are wretched, blind, deaf, dumb, mute, absolutely mm -hmm. a wreck. The least. They are beyond horrible. Yeah. I don't know anybody on the planet who is as bad as many of the characters in the Bible, right. you know, as far as the things that they've done, mm -hmm. you know, in their life. Um, but the thing is, is we all have done things in our life, um, and we all mentally have done many things in our life. Mm -hmm. You know, we all have gone astray. Each one has gone mm -hmm. their own way. And so, you know, we can never underestimate the amazing grace of God. Yeah. You know, I would hate for someone to think like, oh, like, man, I, you know, I don't think I'm abiding in Christ because I did this. Right. You know, well, are you thinking about the Lord? Are you praying about that area in your life? You know, are you opening the, up the scriptures to find out what the scriptures say? Man, that's beautiful. That's great that you're you're going to the Word of God mm -hmm. to work through your situation. This is what we want to do. This is why we're drawing close to God. You know, and that is abiding in Christ. That right. is it, abiding in Christ. Isn't living a one hundred percent perfect life because mm -mm. there's only one who could do that. Mm -hmm. You know, and uh, so we have to be a little cautious when we say abiding in Christ in the summation statement, because some people do interpret that to mean like, oh, that means like you, you, you have it all linked, yeah, right. you know, like no sin at all. Right. You're abiding in Christ. Yeah. You know, but no, it's the idea of holding fast to the doctrine, good mm. doctrine. This is what we see in the teaching of Paul, right? holding fast to the doctrines of Jesus. Yep. Do we believe in who Jesus is? That he's God in human flesh. Mm -hmm. Do we believe that there's the Father, there's the Son, there's, this, there's the work of the Holy Spirit? Mm -hmm. Do we believe that Jesus died on a cross for our sins, to pay the price for our sins, to redeem us? Do we believe that he rose from the dead to give us, to understand that we conquered death in Christ? And has he ascended back into the into heaven where he lives to intercede for us mm -hmm. do we believe in these essential ideas of jesus mm -hmm. if you do you're abiding in jesus yeah. you know yeah amen we have just a couple of minutes left I'll, I'll ask this question again i know it came up the other day but i had it on a card as well how do we die to ourselves mm -hmm. daily with you here bo i know you know like we talked about you work with a lot of people who are trying to seek freedom from um you know sexual sin and things like that uh, I say we've got about a minute and a half, but what are some tips on how we die to ourselves? We know we're supposed to die to ourselves. Apostle Paul said, right, I die daily. Yeah. What does that mean? What does that look like? What are some ways we can die to ourselves as we walk as Christians? Yeah, it basically, you know, it's a, in short, it's fixing your eyes on Jesus. Mm -hmm. In short, it's moving away from yourself and moving, gazing at Jesus. 
the way we die best is when our eyes are just riveted mm. on the Lord. That's the easiest thing I could tell someone. Yeah. You know, in, in a simple one minute answer. Yeah. You want to die to self, you wanna, you know, then just be blinded mm. by Jesus, mm. you know, and and you'll lose yourself, mm. you know, in the right way. You know, so when you're enamored by Jesus, you love what Jesus did, you want to follow Jesus, you want to serve people, you want to love people, you want to be compassionate like Jesus. And pretty soon you kind of forget yourself. Right. You're just wrapped up in in trying to, you know, or having Christ, uh, you know, in your mind. Yeah, very good. Sean, any, anything else to add as we wrap up the show today? No, just a reminder of everything that we've talked about. We've talked about Halloween and how truth and conscience both matter. We've talked about doctrines of demons and what that actually entails, and it's not what people generally think. We've talked about the idea of predestination and free will and the idea of people uh, falling away from the faith, ever being a part of it in the first place, but the emphasis always needs to be on the key issue. How do I abide in Jesus? Believe in the one whom he has sent. John chapter 6, 27 to 28. It is just that simple even we couldn't mess it up but even then it's only the holy spirit who does it anyway <laughs> amen thanks sean bo thank you thank yeah, you for being here you. hey be safe tonight god bless you shine christ and we will see you same time same place tomorrow nada. you've been listening to a reason for hope thank you again for joining us as we continue our journey through god's word one question of the heart at a time. Until we meet again, we would love to connect with you. You can text or email your questions to questionsforhope at gmail.com. You can also find out more about our ministry at calvarychristianfellowship.com. And be sure to join us next time on A Reason for Hope. A Reason for Hope is an outreach ministry of Calvary Christian Fellowship in Tucson, Arizona.